has something special for us today. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak a specific word that will encourage us, direct us. I believe healings will come while we're sitting here under the influence of the Word of God. I want to gather around this word hope today, the hope of Christmas. Would you say that? The hope of Christmas. Since the spiritual mishap in the Garden of Eden, our world has been blanketed with spiritual darkness and evil. And the evil one, for centuries, has chosen to destroy everything that is good and right. We see around us evidences that evil is at work. But we know that long ago, prophets started to receive promises of hope. Isaiah, 700 years B.C., pronounced the promise of a Savior that would come. The Lord himself in Isaiah 714 will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah again declares this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, the father of King David. From its roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge of fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord." And then, 750, 686 B.C., Micah prophetically has a, another promise of hope that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. He declares that promise in chapter 5 of Micah, verse 2, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from, old, are from of old, from ancient times. Micah gives us a promise of hope. And many... Year after year, actually centuries, people look to the promise of hope that a Messiah would come. His name would be called Emmanuel. And yet, they never saw the fulfillment. Imagine for a moment... Maybe it was in heaven and the Father is there in a small group. Jesus is next to him. John chapter 1 verse 1 says that Jesus is the Word of God. And the Father maybe said, it's time for us to introduce the Word to the world. The time is now. And maybe the angels were there, and they were trying to decide how, here's the planet Earth, how, how do we introduce 
the word to the world. Maybe someone said, well, we have all these tremendous priests and tremendous religious leaders that show up in the temple. Probably the father said, they won't listen to us. And someone says, you know those really sharp people over there? They're incredible. They've got networks. And the Lord says, no. How about, how about Harold or Herod? Herod, he can get the word to the world. And he says, no, he'll be intimidated. And I can imagine the father saying, let's go, let's go with the shepherds. Shepherds, pariah group, uneducated, taking care of the lambs for the temple, can't be a witness in the court of law. And I think the father said, perfect. Let's go out and talk to the shepherds. Still here? In Luke chapter 2, that's what happens. Verse 8. Let's read these couple verses aloud. All right? Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, All of a sudden, heaven's atmosphere of the glory comes to earth. The atmosphere of the earth is air. But in heaven, the atmosphere is the glory. Words can't even describe it, and no one can understand it. Simply that heaven is filled with the manifest presence of Almighty God. And when the angel appeared, it was not a matter of just having an informational dialogue with these shepherds. Heaven had decided that when we are introducing and when we are announcing that the Messiah when we are announcing that the Son of God, when we are announcing that Jesus, Emmanuel, is coming to the earth, we need those shepherds to understand a little bit about the atmosphere that is coming with Jesus when he comes to the earth. And in that moment, and the Bible says it was at night, because a lot of times we can't listen in the day. We're too busy to experience something that is profound. And something happens at night. Say those words at night. At night when you're in your bed, when you are by yourself, and you're not thinking about anything, and the Lord wakes you up just as here. And I don't know whether they were asleep. I don't know whether they were laying down. But I do know that he did not come in the day. But he came at night, and God shows up in the night. That's why when he wakes you up, it's not that you're trying to go to sleep. He woke you up to talk to you and tell you something, and it happened at night. And this was so heavenly, and it was so powerful, and it was so magnificent that these shepherds were terrified. Well, maybe we all need to be terrified by something so majestic happened that is off the chain, that is out of the ordinary, and we begin to experience something that is supernatural. It is beyond the earth realm. It is beyond the ordinary. It is beyond the routine, and we experience the glory of God. And I have asked the Lord 
for us not only to look back at the glory of God that came on the shepherds, but I have asked the Lord that the same heavenly glory come upon us today in this meeting and we begin to experience in a new way, a greater way, the manifested presence of God. So, they're shaken. Verse 10, still here? But the angel said to them, be cool, relax, you're not going to die. I bring you good news, say that, good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. And then he says, today, not tomorrow, not next month. Sometimes we have to get our mind on today. Not someday. Today is a day of healing. Today is a day of deliverance. Today is the day of breakthrough. Today is the day to see miraculous things begin to happen. And he says to them, he said, listen, I got good news for you. I know you are blanketed with bad news, just as we are. Watch the news, read the news, and the news is almost all bad news. They died, they got killed, earthquake, volcano, Holdups. Thank God that we're not talking about bad news here this morning. We're talking about good news. The good news. And he said, today in the town of David, Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Lord and this will be a sign to you. We'll find the babe, baby wrapped in clothes and living in a manger. It's interesting that God wants to do something today in a way that is unusual. God does unusual things in unusual places. Now, my dad, he uses unusual people, and the people we would select, God doesn't select. And we can look at a lineup, and we say, wow, that guy, that girl, that, young, that person, yes. And God says, they look good, they're, they're really sharp, but they're not the, per the people I want. Because God chooses people that have lost all of the I can do it and have been through so many things and they have had all of the I can do it killed out of them until they get to a point I can't do it and God says, you're the person. And the people who are really chosen are sitting thinking, I'm not enough, I'm not sharp enough, I'm not intelligent enough, I'm not cool enough, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And God says, Mr. You're not, get out of your chair and go, and here's your assignment, now do it. And you will be so dependent on me that you can't make it unless you keep saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus. And that's what God is working out in our lives. And I think often he puts us in these places and not all of the things that are happening to us are of the devil. 
because he has to develop us. Probably most of you work out at the gym and you know that when you're working out at the gym, doing CrossFit, <clears throat> talking with a knowledgeable con congregation here, you know that a person is building their body, arms, legs, whole body, they're building themselves. And we forget that as the bodybuilder is at work, God is at work building people with character, with endurance, with a lack of vacillation, strong people. And yet he has to take us through a vigorous journey so that he can trust us that when the blessing comes down, we don't believe and begin to say, how great I am. Look to me how great I am. And all the world will see how great I am. But when you've been crushed and you've lost all the I can do it and you keep depending on the Lord in your circumstance and you begin to walk with a confidence that your hope is in the promises of God, that what he has said is not fiction, but what he has said is a promise, and you take the promises of God, not generically, you take the promises of God personally, and you begin to stand on them, and you begin to speak them, and it doesn't happen, and it may not happen for a year, and it may happen not happen for another year, but you still make the promises of God, not generic in my Bible. They pop out, and they come into your heart, and you begin to carry them around like a diamond and you begin to believe them and you, br you breathe on them and you speak about them and you begin to live in, in hope, the promises of hope. Say that, promises of hope. And they're your promises of hope. And even if you're sitting here and everything is against you and maybe you're a young person and nothing is working right and you're going to college and, and things are, are messed up or you're from a dysfunctional background and so you're replicating what you saw and you're trying to get out and yet you're me messed up and, and you're in the middle of that. And in the middle of that kind of thing, that's where God the Holy Spirit comes in and he grabs you and he turns you around. Yeah. Thursday, I was in my study, studying, and it came uh, to my mind that it was November 29th. And I've shared what happened, but I felt impressed by the Lord to boast this morning on the goodness of God. Because I was in a situation, my wife had died. It was now about a year and a half, two, teenagers da two teenage daughters. I'm not gifted in domestic things. And my daughter, Jackie, said, amen. <laughs> we were in a rented building, and we're a few years into our church, and we are renting buildings. We're at Orange Avenue downtown, close to the lake there, and we're in a rented building And I have this Epstein-Barr virus, and if you know it, what it is, there's no cure for it, and you're tired all the time. So I go to bed, and I get up. I'm tired like I didn't sleep. And I would get up and speak like I am today, and I'd be so tired on the front row, and I'd say, God, send the angels, and the angels will come scoop me up and 
But when I left, I was tired. I believed for healing, and I wouldn't give up. It was November the 29th, I had come into our rented off offices there, and I called Mother Alcorn in Texas, and I said, you know, I really need God to touch my life, and she was gracious. Oh, Alex, we all need that. <laughs> so I decided something that's probably the hardest thing for me to do in my life is to sit in a chair and not read and wait. I'm sort of an active person, and when in doubt, I'm going to do something, naturally. So I'm sitting in this, this chair, and I just had this determination as I'm sitting in this chair that I'm not leaving this chair until God touches me today. I was, I was not thinking about healing I'm talking about like Jesus just showing up and touching me. You know, we all get dry. You may be dry right now. And it's not that you don't want more life. It's like the problems of life have somehow affected you spiritually, and it happens in all of us. I sit, I sit in this chair. I'm not reading I'm like praying, waiting, listening, waiting. Oh my God, waiting, sitting, listening. At three o'clock, after hours, I get up. We had glass uh, windows in the study area where I was. And I, I do something that's crazy. I sit in the corner next to the bookcase and looking out at the uh, windows and uh, sitting there and I just lift my hands. When I lifted my hands, it's like that glory that hit the angels. I felt that glory come down upon me. And then it was like, it was like the sun rays coming down my arms. I'm not given to shaking and we hear of that, but I mean, I was... Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my God. I'm shaking. I can't tell anybody about that. I'm shaking. <laughs> Seems non-thinking. But as I'm there like that, and I'm not asking for healing, and the Lord says, I'm healing you, Alex. And I, I was losing weight couple pounds every so, so months, up, probably around 12 pounds less than I am right now. And uh, I've always weighed every day. And the Lord said, don't weigh yourself. And I go a few weeks and I weigh myself. I've gained weight, like all of you trying to gain weight. <laughs> Very relevant, I can understand. So I have black under my eyes here from this Epstein-Barr virus. And it was over a matter of months that I just seemed to come up in weight and my strength came back and I was healed. Healed. Some of you are being healed right now in Jesus' name. Your malady gives way to the healing grace of Jesus. So I'm not married. My pastor, Dr. Ben Crandall and Gene were out at a restaurant. Every time we go out, Gene looks at me and says, Alex, you need a wife. <laughs> and I really, I just thought, I'm a pastor, take care of my girls, and, and praise God. And so that went on for quite a while. 
And then I met Judy, and she asked me to marry her. No. <laughs> God miraculously, it was almost like that. But let's not get too personal here. But uh, God miraculously, in such an unusual way, brings this beautiful girl to me. And I got blessed. Stand up, Judy. And, and this is my girl. Everyone but me knew I needed a wife <laughs> to somehow keep me realistic in life. And then we had a promise of faith that we were going to have land, and we said it, and we said the promise, Pastor Dave, and we said it, and we said it, and that never happened. And then we said it, and, you know, in the Old Testament, if you're a prophet and it doesn't happen, they stone you. <laughs> and I'm looking for people to come out with the stones. And one day, on a Wednesday, I meet with Mr. Bosseman at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. He said, Alex, I want to give you this land over here I have on John Young. And you see, I went from no energy, and since that time, I have enormous levels of, of strength. Enormous. And I believe it's supernatural, and it came from that healing November the 29th. And everything that you see around here was because somebody had some hope and somebody had a promise. And a lot of them, hundreds of them, they're not in the service today. They're in heaven. Nothing, there's nothing that happened around here that was easy. There's nothing that just showed up here. But there's an army of people that rose up with a promise. The church and the son had been called out. Not to be another parish, not to be another routine, ordinary deal with religious people. But the church had been birthed in prayer and power, and it was to be a place of revival. It was to be a place that the glory of God showed up, and people were saved and born again and changed and healed. And the Lord reminded me on Thursday, Alex, don't you ever think that you kind of pulled yourself out of that deal? And I was reminded of my sister Fran and Pastor Dave and Dawn and all kinds of people in this church, many that are not alive right now. Elaine Swanson, and I could name a long list of them, and Brother Crandall, and all these people had gathered around me. It wasn't a matter of me believing the promise. It's like a bridge. You're trying to go from one place to another place. And what we have to have is we have to have those people in our lives that are helping us get across to the other side. So you're not getting where you want to be because you have a promise by yourself. And I'm dreaming in this church of having <clears throat> 500 places of community and <clears throat> apartments and how <clears throat> getting choked up houses and, and places where people are gathering together and they're praying for each other's promises of hope and they're agreeing together. And what we what one person can't do, the others are gathering together and picking them up, and so that the weak are becoming strong. And people like Lewis, that's a part of this church, his wife died and he has five kids. And I think about him all the time. And when we gather together and we huddle around and we pray for each other and we gather each other, somehow we get across that bridge and we go where we cannot go by ourselves. And the enemy, <clears throat> the enemy wants to discourage us. <clears throat> the enemy wants to pull us back. And he wants us to lose our hope, lose our hope. 
But the Bible says it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is our right to personally experience this glory of God. But also, it is Christ in us, the hope for whatever that we need. For our hope is not wishful thinking. Well, I I hope I get a job, almost in dismay. That's not hope. That's a good wish list. Hope is the confidence, assurance, and trust that Christ is alive and at work in my life. And when we celebrate Christmas, we are going beyond a a gift at the tree. We are saying, listen, in this circumstance in my life, I have hope, I have confidence, and I have the assurance and trust that Christ is in me and Christ is working in that situation. And I cannot do it by myself. I must be, be a part of a community of believers that are gathering together, whether it is our student ministry, our college ministry, our singles ministry, our family ministry, that no one is left behind, that no one is separated from other people because the enemy would like to take you out. And how does he take you out? All that he has to do is moderate you and slow you down so that you begin to doubt, will that ever happen? Will that ever happen? And you have to get up. And today, I hope you'll get up. I hope you'll get up and you'll say, I'm taking back that promise. I'm taking back that promise. And I'm not giving in. Because God is choosing people to do unusual things in unusual places. He didn't use Harold. Herod, he didn't use the religious system and the churches of the day. He went after the shepherds. You know why? In Luke chapter 2, if you go down to chapter to verse number 16, what happens is they are moved by the glory and they are moved by the fact that something happened that day, right then, and the Bible says they got up off of their hill and they walked over to this town of David, Bethlehem, and they encounter Jesus. And then the Bible says they do not encounter themselves. In other words, the glory is not for them only, because we can all sit around and have the glory. No, it's not for us only. The Bible says they went out And they started to spread the word so that now the promise of hope was going to other people. I don't know. I've been praying about this Christmas spectacular. Somehow it's going to be extraordinarily powerful. And I'm I'm hoping and I'm believing for not something that is religious, but something that the glory of God shows up. And as these performers and, and we sing and everything, that, that it will be something that is absolutely miraculous. And we, we gather around and we huddle at all these stations. We take the Holy Eucharist and we remember what Jesus did for us and communion, that something, something unusual begins to happen that we really believe the Savior Savior has come, and it becomes personal. The Savior, he saves us. Matthew 1, 21, the angel appears to Joseph. He said, now, Joseph, Joseph, get this straight. You're going to call. This, this child is coming, and you're going to call him Jesus, and he's going to save people from their sins. And that's what we have, the privilege of being set free from our sins. Every single one of us are weak. And we're all prone to do the wrong thing. And that's why Jesus is our Savior. No one, no one can overcome without the Savior. Because he will take your life no matter how dark it is. And he will say, and he will beckon, you come. And he will transform you as he has transformed us. Once I was lost, 
but now I have been found. Once I was a sinner, but now I have a new life and I walk in grace and mercy and blessing. What if three, four, five hundred people come here that don't know Christ on that night? What if as we begin our 21 days of fasting and prayer, January 6th, what if, what if a massive revival is, is set up for us in 2019 and everyone takes it seriously and we begin to crush the gates and the gates of Hades? And we enter into a year like we have never seen before. What if, what if we take hold of the promises of God according to 2 Corinthians 1.20 for God has fulfilled all, all the promises of God have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And we begin to fight as we sang this morning and rise above and God uses every person. I like what the angels went on to do. Because in verse number 12, 13, read it with me, verse 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 2. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom the angels, <clears throat> the angel announced it, but then <laughs> all these angels could not, could not, could not be silent. Because what they started to do is what everybody is doing in heaven. And the angels, I don't know how many there were. But the Bible says they broke out and they began to praise God. The sound of their voice lifting it to God. And I'm believing as we, as we stand in a moment that we will begin to lift our hands. You may be a Catholic, Presbyterian, maybe a Lutheran, maybe Pentecostal, you, you may be non-denominational, but somehow, somehow we all have a proclivity to get into the formal kind of formality and sometimes we have to break out and the quiet person has to lift their voice and begin to praise God and begin to, we don't have to feel everything, we just need to say, Lord, I, I don't know what's going on in my, li on my life and I can't figure it all out, but I, I know one thing, if the angels can praise you, I can praise you. I can lift my voice and I can begin to, be, begin to sing join the earth all the earth is joined together and they begin to praise God because when we begin to praise God like the angels praise God something happens it fosters it releases the glory of God and there's nothing it's equal when we begin to praise him and we begin to say Lord I thank you Lord I praise your name you are mighty you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords you are Jehovah Jireh you are my provider you are the one that goes before me and we're going to come. Singers, come on out here. We're going to stand in just a moment. No one, don't run to an exit. We're still good here on time. And I'm believing there's going to be a, a dispatching of the angels here. We're going to begin to glorify God. And as we're glorifying God, there are going to be rapid fire miracles that are happening in this place. Don't turn the lights all the way down. Turn them up. I want to see everybody's face. And we're going to praise God. And listen, look at me. When I begin to praise God and someone looks at me or looks at you, you can foster people around you to praise God because you choose to praise. And they say, if Bob is praising God, I can praise God too. And after a while, 
while we get free in the name of Jesus. And we're going to open our mouth. And if you have not opened your mouth today, I can understand because your circumstance is so pressing and it's so difficult. But God will give you grace if you have to sing softly. And in this place from the last row in the balcony, we're going to lift our hands and we're going to sing and we're going to praise God. And we're going to declare what the angels were declaring, praise and honor to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing it. Come on, sing it. Everyone. Come on, let's praise it. thinking at the end of the last service my mind went back to Korea I preached in that church a few years ago it's a church of 15,000 but in the middle of the service all of a sudden I don't know how it is it happens but everyone begins to praise God I don't know what's in their spiritual language or Korean but everybody, it's like a roar that happens in the building and everyone is lifting their hands and it, there's, there's like a, a swelling of the, of the presence of God as they lift their voices and they begin to praise God with their mouth. And there's something that, that happens when a church begins to open their mouth begins to defy everything that is around them. And we begin to praise God above our problems. And we decide, I'm not gonna praise my problems because what you're thinking about all the time is what you're praising. And when we begin to praise God, and we're gonna do it in a minute, and they're just gonna play the instruments, and I'm believing we're gonna break out. Wherever we have been in a church, Whatever level we've been at, we're going to break out in the name of Jesus. I'm going to break out myself. I'm going to break out of where I am in Jesus' name. Now let's lift our voices. Begin to sing. Begin to shout. Begin to say, praise God. Hallelujah. Come on. Lift your voices. The balcony. Lift your back. Hallelujah.
I feel as we wait in the presence of the Lord for a moment that the Lord wants to heal hearts right now in the quietness. You want to put your hand on your heart. We all need more healing in our hearts. Betrayal, divorces, injury, broken promises. And only Jesus, our Savior, can heal our hearts. And Lord, I, I pray in this moment of stillness that you will touch each of our hearts. Things we're not aware of that happened many years ago. Abuse. There's several that are in the room. You were abused physically, even sexually. And the Lord is saying, Isaiah 30, 17, I will give you back your health and heal your wounds, says the Lord. And in the quietness where the glory of the Lord is moving us, he touches our hearts. And there's some here, especially men, you're so hard, you haven't cried in so long. Let the Lord break up the fallow ground. And I pray, Lord, where there is bitterness from deep wounds, that even now we release that person to the Lord and we decide to trust you in that situation. Our heads are bowed for just a second. How many would say, I think I need to forgive a certain person? Just throw up a hand all over the building. Do it. Yes, yes. Put it up. Put it up. That helps you. Yes, 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 yes. Just put it up and keep it up for a minute because Jesus sees it. Can't do it ourselves. The wound is too deep. Lord, release tears. We release the offender into your hands, Lord. You can put down your hand. How many are here this morning that would say, or close your eyes for a minute. You can say, you know, I've been betrayed by someone who hurt me very deeply, abandoned, and I'm right now releasing that into the Lord. Put your hand up, abandoned. Yeah, put it up high, abandoned. Many, 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 many hands. Abandoned, forgotten. Even some young people up here, students. Lord, you see the hands of all these people have been abandoned. Whatever damage was done for that abandonment and betrayal, I pray, God, that you would heal right now. Those that have your hands up, put another hand up, and you're just saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. A lot of hands all over the building. That helps you to say, I'm doing this. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want us to sing this song, Thank You, Jesus. Just as I am, I come in just a moment. Look up for just a moment. Everyone look up. I woke up early this morning thinking about people coming to Christ. There's nothing more 
moving that when you see a person coming towards Christ in hopelessness, despair, and sin. And Jesus, with a smile on his face, saying, you're my, you're my child, come on. And he wraps his arms of forgiveness around you and says, I'm going to make you into a new person. We have a cross here for a reason, and that reminds us that Christ took our sins on the cross, our sicknesses, and made it possible for us to have a new life. The first service, there were people all across the front here making a fresh commitment to Christ. This can be your day. You may say, Alex, you don't know what I've done. I can tell you Jesus does. And he still gives you the green light and says, come on, you qualify. Don't. Don't give up in your sin. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. And you say, I want you to pray for me. I want to be forgiven. I want a new life. And all you have to do is say, yes. And I can tell you, your life will be changed. This is your day. Don't leave here the way you came in. Not when God loves you. So I'm going to count to three. The balcony. I'm going to count to three. Do it. You're a... You're with a group here that cheers you on. When you put your hand up, everybody goes crazy because they say yes. You know why? Because they did it one time. How many have done that one time? One, two, three. Put your hand up. Pray for me. I need to be forgiven. Put your hand up. Yes, yes. Put it up. Put it up. Back in the balcony, last row. Put it up. Put it up. Put it up. Yes. Yes. Put it up. Say yes to Christ. Now, everyone that lifted your hand, get out of your chair. Come here. We're going to have a two-minute prayer here. We're going to sing this song just as I am. Thank you, Jesus. You come in the balcony. Come all the way down here. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come right now. Come to Christ. The balcony. Yes, you come. You come. Over here. Come, come. Yes. Come on. Just as I
look up, look up a moment. We're not looking on how bad you've been, but we're looking on how great Jesus is. Because in a minute, you're going to open your heart to Christ. And you're going to put your faith in Christ. This is not behavior modification. That's religion. This doesn't start with our behavior. They're still coming. And by the way, there are seven people in this room. You are a backslider. And you've given up on your future. And you've given it because the devil has told you how bad you are. And I'm going to continue with the altar call. You get out of your chair and you come up here. There's a couple here today. And you're trying to get back to God. This is your time. You get out of your chair and you be aggressive and say, I'm not living like this anymore, wherever you are. Those that have come, look up if you would. We're going to pray a prayer. It's not behavior modification. This is about a heart change. It doesn't, you're not trying to change your behavior. You're starting with your heart. And then you invite Christ and begin to grow in Christ. Now we're following Jesus in his ways. And then he changes everything. Some of you are watching online. And Christ is going to come into your heart right now. Your next step here will be to declare through water baptism that you have died to your old life, the water, and you come out and you identify with the resurrection of Christ that you have a new life. You're going public to the unseen forces that tried to control you. You're telling them you lost. You lost. After we pray this prayer, Pastor Dave is here. He's going to take you to the side. There are friends there for five minutes because we are a family. We help people walk with Christ. When I ask everyone to say this prayer very loudly because I like to let the enemy know where he stands. Jesus, Jesus. I put my faith in you. That you took my sin on the cross. I confess and believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. And he's alive. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. I abandon my life to follow Jesus. Jesus, come into my heart. Give me your grace. The gift of righteousness and eternal life. If you prayed that prayer from your heart, you are a new person. You are a new person. Go with Pastor Dave. Come on, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping, keep clapping. Look at this, look at this. Hallelujah. Keep clapping. Come on, keep praising God. 